So we have been in a series called Clear Callings. The idea of the series was we live in a time where things are very confused. Things are very muddled. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of distraction. There are many, many voices, some of them very strong. If there's ever been a time when Christians need to be about clear things and shine purely in this world, it is right now. So we did, um, the first week we did the call to love. And this corresponds with our first value, which is come as you are. It's on our sign that we are always called to love everybody at all times. And this is the goal of our faith, to become better lovers. This is the proof of Christianity. The the second week, we did the call to be saved. And it wasn't just about being saved. It was about sharing salvation. And that corresponds to our second value as a church, which is connect with God. This is how we connect with God, by by getting saved. Um, The third week, Pastor Sarah did it last week, was the call to community. And that corresponds to our third value, which is connect with people. God has not just created us dependent on him. He's created us to be interdependent on one another. And then this fourth week is the call to be filled. Our fourth value as a church is to contend for more of the presence of God. So I have called today the call to live filled. Oftentimes, especially in a charismatic church, the call is to have an experience where you are filled. And that is wonderful. But we need to not just have an experience of being filled. We need to learn how to live filled with the Spirit. In Ephesians 5 here, it's a little difficult to translate, but when it says, do not be drunk with wine, which leads to dissipation, but rather be filled with the Spirit, the Greek word is, or the Greek tense is, it would, would read like this, be being filled with the Spirit. It is, it is not a one-timer. It is being filled again and again and again, i.e. living filled with the Spirit. So because the Packers lost, <laughs> I only have two points today. Here's point one. The need to live Filled. First thought under this is consistency is convincing. God does not define us by our failures. He doesn't define us by our brokenness. Nor should we define ourselves by our worst moments, our worst failure, our worst sin. We should not define ourselves that way. And we certainly should not define other Christians or other people by the worst. We, we need to see beyond that. We've talked about this and, and see people the way God sees them. However, the world is not so gracious. It's very hard for the world to get past the inconsistencies of Christians. And believe me, they're watching. Last weekend, I was in Virginia. My sister was doing a book launch. It was amazing. She's a burning, wonderful 
Christian and my other, some of my other siblings wanted to go out and be part of it and support her even though they might not be that, the, the way she is. So I got to spend a, time, a lot of time with one of my brothers and um, we have a good relationship. He likes to talk to me, but um, he, he's made it very clear to me that he, he is a Christian in these terms. He believes that Jesus gave a good example and Jesus gave us something to shoot for, but he is absolutely not, again, not a born-again Christian. And the idea that we need a savior, that we need to be forgiven, and in his words, that it even needs to be, for you, it needs to be true. It need, Jesus needed to die on that cross. He needed to raise from the dead, and for you, it needs to be true. He said, for me, it doesn't need to be true. I'm just, I'm trying to be a Christian by example, and um, but what he does is, is, is he spends a lot of time listening, listening to Christian talk radio. And he reports back to me that Christians are mean, Christians are suspicious, Christians are dogmatic, Christians are greedy, Christians are callous. And he gets, you know, I get the reports back and um, I'm like, well, you know, Christians are broken too, and just because somebody says something doesn't mean that's what everybody's saying. And, um, and I get that he's interpreting everything through his own brokenness, but it's almost like this is his proof that, that Christianity, or my version of Christianity, is not true. And, and if, if a pastor falls or something's in the news about a Christian blowing it, I, he will send me the article and give me a report of how bad we're doing as Christians. And, um, Thank you, brother. Um, so, you know, so what do you do? I, well, I love him. And then be consistent. I, I, think, of, I think of Daniel. Darius um, in, in Daniel 6 has Daniel as one of the top guys. And he's, he's, he's filled with integrity. He's honest. He's respectful. And these other guys uh, are jealous of him because Darius wants to make him the leader. And so they set up this thing. And Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den. And Darius is very grieved that Daniel's in the lion's den. And here's what he says. This is in Daniel 6. Daniel, may the God you continually serve, deliver you from the mouth of the lions. What sticks out to Darius is that Daniel's God, that he continually serves him. Re religion in that day, and re really religion today too, is it's very different. It's a compartment. It's part of my life. And a, it's once in a while, and I've got a little religion in that box, and the rest of my life is my own. But how many know that relationship is 24-7? Yes. And so what strikes Darius is, is you, you're always in this. You constantly are serving. Consistency is convincing. I made a really good friend in 2020 uh, named Andy, young man, and he gave me permission to share his story. I actually preached at his wedding yesterday. It was at High Point. And uh, um, I, he's, a, he's a dear friend, 
And, but here's how we met. Early 2020, he's got this podcast on theology. And so he's young man, very strong in his opinions, and he brings people on to talk theology, and his pastor, Pastor Nick, who's brilliant, is always on there, and they talk theology, every issue of the day, how to think about things biblically, da-da-da-da-da. Well, he had, he had a program on charismatics, and it was really everything he didn't like about charismatics. Charismatics are about experience. Charismatics are up and down. Charismatics don't follow the Bible all the time. Charismatics are, are arrogant. They think they're better than everybody. And, and, you know, they get done with the show, and Nick is like, you know, you should probably have a charismatic on here. I, I just, I think you're giving the wrong taste. Um, and he's like, okay, who do you recommend? And, and Nick says, uh, how, about, how about Tom? So Andy calls me the next week, tells me what, I'm like, let's do it. Let's, ha- let's do it. So we do this podcast. It's me, Nick, and Andy. And God just fell on that podcast in a special way. Andy's like, this is like my favorite podcast ever. I just loved this. And he's like, I need to, I need to find out more about this. And, and when I asked him if I could share his story, he, he, he filled in some blanks. He said, the reason why I was so excited to get together and find out more about this is even though I didn't like charismatics, I've got a Bible. I, I can't, miracles happen all the time in the Bible. The Holy Spirit is doing stuff all the time. There, there's just lots of stuff in the Bible that was not part of my experience. And so on the podcast, it was like, oh my, maybe, maybe this stuff still happens. And and so he came over in 2020. We did three nights called Freedom Fighters, and each one was on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and demonstrating the gifts of the Spirit, and he loved it, and we started meeting every, every month, and uh, really, just a really fun relationship, and uh, there's more to the story. Part two comes later. Okay. Consistency is convincing, and the reason why I bring that up is because as a charismatic, there's a reason why the rest of the body of Christ doesn't want to be charismatic. (laughs) There just a lot of bad things have been done in the name of the anointing, of of people faking it, of people getting rich off it, of people being anointed one day and, you know, they find out the next day that they're sleeping with their secretary. Just lots of bad things have happened. And, And so... Don't be overly defensive when somebody doesn't, you know, isn't a Holy Spirit person because oftentimes they've been wounded. And um, so we need to be consistent. And so it's not enough to be filled and have a great service and have God touch us. We need to live filled. We need to bring it into Monday through Saturday. Second, we need the power of God to be demonstrated. Acts 1.8 and you will receive power, the word Greek word is dunamis, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. This is where we get our word dynamite. This is, you read the book of Acts, you're gonna find out how they changed the whole world, how the gospel went all over the place in one generation without any internet, without any money, without any church buildings. Like, how did they do it? Miracles, honestly. They, God did stuff, and that drew a crowd, and Reinhard Bonnke, 
um, most successful evangelist probably in history recorded paper with cards turned in between 2000 and 2015, 73 million conversions in Africa. Like, how? How did, how, how did he do that? Miracles? Miracles. There's, there's one service. You can watch it on YouTube. It's from Nigeria, a crusade in Nigeria. 1.6 million people in one meeting. I think it's probably the largest gathering of anybody ever. <laughs> the, the camera just keeps going, 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 going. But he, but he, told, he, he tells in his story, he's, he's with the Lord now, but he, he told the story of how you get into the flow of the power. And here's what he said. He said, when I was 10 years old, we vacationed by the sea, and the tide had gone out, and there was this barge that got grounded on the sand. He's a 10-year-old kid. He goes up to this barge, and he's pushing those light. He said, I couldn't budge it. He said, there could have been a hundred of me, and I wouldn't have been able to budge that barge. He said, but later, the tide came in, and I waded out into the water, and 10-year-old kid, same barge, and he starts pushing, and it moves. Guys, when the river rises, all things become possible. When the river rises, that which seemed like it couldn't happen before, all of a sudden, everything is possible. When I talk about the river, uh, it's from Ezekiel 47. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit rising. It's coming out of the temple, and it starts ankle deep, and then knee deep, and then chest deep, and then over the head. And this river is the river of life. It's the same river, once again, John chapter 7, that flows out of the innermost being of believers. It's the river of, Jesus says, this is a picture of the Holy Spirit that is available today. When the tide is out, it doesn't matter how many programs we have or how loud or cool our music is or how neat our arts are or how relevant we are, we're not going to move much. But as the river rises, that which was impossible becomes possible. All of a sudden, regular people, this, this can't be about great people. This can't be about the apostle. This can't be about, well, Pastor Tom is special. No, it, this, that, that's not the gospel. The gospel is about regular people with a great God. It's the 10-year-old kid that says, go, demon, in Jesus' name, and boom, there's freedom, healing coming. It, this is about him. And, and I believe in our day, in this hour, for all the stuff that's going on in America and around the world, I believe the river is rising. I believe we're in a time where the river is rising. In fact, we have, the staff and elders have set 10 special meetings aside in 2022. They're, they're the first Sunday night of each month. We have these worshiping and waiting meetings where we're, we're contending for more. Those are going to go on there about every six weeks. But once a month, the first Sunday night, we're going to have these special meetings called River Rising meetings. And this is to acknowledge that, that God is moving. 
to acknowledge that it's not the God when the river comes, then miracles happen. No, God is moving. We're not over our heads yet. We might be at the ankle deep, but we need to recognize God is moving and we need to learn how to flow, how to be in the river, how to pray in the river, how to, how to minister in the river. And these 10 meetings, I call them experiments, are, it, 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 my conviction is this. If it's not happening in the sanctuary, it'll never happen in the streets. <laughs> you gotta practice somewhere. So we're gonna have 10 services where we practice. So what, what are those services gonna look like? Well, there will certainly be worship at the beginning. Then we're gonna open the mic up for testimony. Not testimony of 20 years ago, but things God is doing right now, brief testimonies, anybody can share them. Then the pastoral staff is gonna be all be up front and sitting in the front row, and here's why. They can't prepare anything. They can't, like, on Friday decide, I'm going to share this Sunday night. No, legal, illegal. <laughs> okay? It has to be extemporaneous. It has to be the Spirit is saying something, and you want to get up, and you, want, and you can only do it for 10 minutes. And, well, Pastor Tom, is that going to work? I have no idea. It's called an experiment. And then at 7.30, whatever's happened, we will have a response time. But I am absolutely under a conviction that the river is rising. And that, and that we, need to, we need to get in the river. We need to thank God for, the, for wherever the river is. And then we need to contend for that river to rise. I believe the higher the river goes, the more barges are going to move. So here is the third reason we need to live filled. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Listen to the result of being filled. Here's what, here's what Paul says. Be being filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to our God and Father. What, what, what does that mean? It means when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, your heart will begin to flow. Your heart will begin to flow. Effortlessly, you will join the songs of heaven. You will join, thanksgiving will come out of you instead of complaining and grumbling. That there, there is this flow. See, Christianity is not just about your will. We set our will, that's called our duty, where you choose to do something even though you're not in the mood. It's your will, you, and, and, and the will is very important. The Christianity is not just about your mind. N knowing the truth, studying the truth, the truth will set you free. Our minds are very important. But that's not all Christianity is. It's not just will and mind, gutting it out, learning, getting smarter, being better at Bible trivia than other people. That's not all it is. Praise God, that's part of it. I'm really good at Bible trivia. Anyway, um, <laughs> but Christianity is about a flowing heart, a heart that doesn't just have to, a heart that wants to. This is the joy of the Lord. The reason why it's so important is because you're not gonna be strong without joy. So I don't wanna judge 
your music. Whatever music you enjoy listening to, God bless you. I'm not judging your music. I'm, we all have different tastes. But here is what I'm saying. The more filled you are with the Spirit, the more you will want to be around worship. <laughs> the more filled you are, the more it's just like, this is kind of my language now. And I used to listen to this, this, and this. And now it's like, I just want to, I want to worship. I, I, I want to be around worship. I want to have worship. I want to, you know, I used to only come for the sermon. Now I, I, I'm showing up early. I want to be in that worship. I, I used to only come on Sunday mornings. Now I come to the special worshiping and waiting because there's something about a flowing heart. God wants our hearts to flow. He does, he does want our minds to know the truth. He wants our wills to be set. But the problem with will and mind Christianity only without the flowing heart is you're never going to be able to live filled. Because your duty, your duty, hard work, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. You run out of juice. And then you're going to fall. And you're going to end up with inconsistencies. You're going to beat yourself up. And you're going to... This, this isn't supposed to be that hard. As the river rises, it's just easier and easier to be a Christian. <laughs> it's just easier and easier to love the unlovable. It's easier to do everything. It's just, it's like, oh my, where was this all my life? Let the river rise. All right. That was point one. Point two. How to live filled with the Spirit. We certainly need it. How do you do it? First, wake up to your best identity. So here's, here's how our text starts. This is why it is said, or this is why Scripture says, one translation, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Well, here's the problem. Nobody can find in the Old Testament where it says that. Where, where does it say that? It's actually there. It is there. It's Isaiah 60, verse 1, which was always a messianic passage. Here's what it says. Arise, another word for wake up, and shine, for your light has come. That's speaking of the Messiah, Christ. Christ will shine on you. I want to submit this to you. The best version of you is when you own Jesus as, as your, your light. Not just the light, not just somebody else's light, not just grandma's light. He's my light. He is my light. This is the best version of you where you, where you wake up, you rise up out of the slumber of this world and grab a hold of Jesus. Here's, here's what it says. Verse 2, Isaiah 60. Deep darkness is on the people. How many can agree with that? <laughs> Deep darkness is on the people. But the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. So yesterday we had our women's brunch here. I love our women. What a great lunch. It turns out for whatever reason, we have lots of women that come that don't go to this church. Just women find out about it. Maybe it's the fact that the men are serving. I don't know, but whatever. We get a lot. We get a lot of. We get a lot of people here, and uh, and so before we did the prayer time, I I just I like to be sensitive to people, and I'm like, 
um, we're going to be praying for people. And, but if somebody, while we're praying for them, falls over, I don't want you to freak out. I'm going to tell you right now what's happening. The Hebrew word for glory is, is also the word for weight. God's presence becomes tangible sometimes. It becomes manifest, and it feels like a weight. And oftentimes, when the presence of the glory of God is resting, you feel like you're going to fall over. And so when I'm usually praying for people, I've got one hand behind them just in case they fall over. I don't want them to fall over because, you know, whatever. But it's a women's brunch. I'm like, we're, we're, today... We're going to have the lights down. We're going to have catchers behind you. If you feel like that weight is coming on you, just let it, let it go. Just, just bask in. Bask in the presence of God. You're in a safe place. And just, just let God heal you. Let God wash over you. Let God whisper to you whatever happens. And so, oh my. It was amazing. And so, we had one young lady. And she's all tatted and rings everywhere. And and she told me what, what, what stuck out to her in the sermon. And, and I start praying. And the presence of God comes all over her. And she's just like this and trying to catch herself. And, and I said, have you ever, ever experienced anything like this? First? Nope. Nope. I said, tell you what. I said, this is, this is God's presence resting on you right now. Another wave will come. Just... Just, just let, just enjoy it. Let it go through you. So pray a little more and boom. She laid down there for a long time and God just loved on her. But here's what happened. All of a sudden, God isn't just an idea. Oh my, he is alive. He is alive. He is real. Now that doesn't mean you have to feel all the time. I oftentimes don't feel, but listen. Jesus has opened heaven by his blood. There is an open heaven over every believer that you can just walk into every day. You don't have to work to get there. He did the work to get there. The only way you don't live under an open heaven is the enemy can, can get you to believe that there isn't one for you, that you aren't good enough, you aren't qualified, you aren't this enough, you aren't that enough, you've sinned too much. Listen, wake up and Christ will shine on you. <laughs> Not might. He will shine on you. You just got to get your identity out of your darkness and into his glory. This is the best version of you. This is the version you were created to be. We were created to be in union with God. We were created to live being filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is, this is point two. Under, do you, do you see how I slip these points in? So this is point two under point two. So here it is. Wake up to your best identity. That was point one. Here's point two under point two. Ask God to fill you again and again. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, though you are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And once again, the tense of this is ask and keep asking him. This is not a one-timer. This isn't, I've been filled with the Spirit. I was filled with the Spirit 20 years ago. No, are you filled today? 
Are you living filled? Or was that just something that happened in your past? We were created to be filled, but also to need to be refilled again and again and again. This is where intimacy comes, our need to be filled again and again. Now, to understand that dependence, God has helped us by oxygen. Have you noticed that you need to breathe like every hour? You know, have you noticed it's not enough? Well, I breathed yesterday, praise God. Okay, well, then you're dead today if that's all you did. I, I, I breathed early this morning. It, it, you, no, you got to keep breathing. <laughs> you, you're you're going to have to keep, you're going to have to keep breathing. Why? We are dependent. We're, 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 we're very fragile. We were made that way. We need to breathe all the time. And this is how he's made us spiritually. We need, we were created this way to be filled. This is the best version. Filled again and again and again. Why? Because we leak. Because we get drained. Because of all the problems and the trials and the crosses that we bear. The people pulling on us. We get drained. Sometimes it's us pouring out service. Where we, we served and we served and we served. And we had hospitality. And it's all good. But it all drained us. So what happens? We need to be filled again. And we ask him to fill us again and again and again. Now, when I was in college... I discovered this secret weapon of how to stay filled. I came into an experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit and got a prayer language where I could pray in tongues without my mind having to be involved and it would be the Holy Spirit's prayer. And and you can do it whenever you want to. And the Bible says you edify yourself. Whoever speaks in a tongue edifies himself. And, and no one has to speak in tongues. But Paul says, I wish that you all did. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. And so this is something available. And so every year I do a, a Sunday night on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and getting the prayer language. And this, this year I'm not doing a Sunday night on it. Here's why. I did three of these last year. We did the Sunday night, and then I did Acts 2. We went through the book of Acts, so I had an Acts 2 morning where we did that. And then I, I was going through the history of revival, and it was on Azusa Street one night. And so we did Azusa Street. We had another chance for people to get a prayer language. So I'm like, enough is enough. So all you're going to get this year is what happens this morning. <laughs> so I want to tell you the rest of Andy's story. So, so Andy... He is learning all about this. He's so excited about it. And I, I'm like, bro, you need, you, know, you need this baptism of the Spirit. God wants to baptize you in the Spirit. And so he agrees to come to one of the Sunday nights, and he hears all about it. But he doesn't come forward to get, to get prayer. And he's like, you know, I'm just not sure about it. I'm not sure I want tongues. Tongues are weird. I'm like, yeah, they are. Um, it's a stigma, I believe, that God has put on his power. It is a doorway gift. It is... The praying in tongues leads to more stuff. And, and so it comes around again. We have a, a second one. I invite him again. He comes again. And he doesn't come forward again. And, I'm, and I call him five minutes after that service. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You've already, you, I, I didn't invite you to hear the whole thing again. You already know all of it. You were supposed to come forward and let me pray for you. Yeah, he said, I just didn't. I just didn't, and I'm not sure where I am with this, and da-da-da-da-da, and I'm like, all right, I get it. 
And so, all right, whatever. So we, but we still meet every month, go to take him to Danny's for breakfast, and we talk, and has to be a limit of two hours, because Andy can talk forever. And ha- I mean, and great talk, it's fun, he's got questions, and he's just easy to talk to, so two hours, we've got to be done. Um, so here's what happens to him a month ago. He is by himself, and he's earnestly desiring spiritual gifts, because that's, that's one of my, my main things. This is 1 Corinthians 14.1. Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Don't just be open. If God wants me to have them, I'll have You're not going to get anything by being open. You need to desire it. You need to desire. Pursue love, pursue loving other people so much that you want more for them than what you can give them. You want what only God could do for them. And that's spiritual gifts. God can do amazing things. So he's, he's pursuing earnestly spiritual gifts that he gets a little question in his mind. Are you willing to speak in tongues? I guess so. <laughs> All of a sudden, he starts speaking in tongues. And then he calls everybody to tell them about what's happening and is this real or isn't this real? And he calls me and I'm like, well, you know, let the Bible says that when you speak in a tongue, you're going to get edified and, and God will confirm it. So why don't you take these next couple weeks, next 30 days, pray every day and let God confirm it if it really is. And because this is a disappointing thing about all the spiritual gifts. People want them to be so real. Okay, I get that. We, we don't want something fake. But they all take faith to operate in. You're going to have to step out. And you're going to have to be out there feeling vulnerable to operate in any spiritual gift. You can get better at it. It gets easier. But there is always going to be a feeling that you have to step out. And I said, so I want you to do it for 30 days and God will confirm it. And so I said, let me, let me pray for you. So what he told me a couple days ago, he said, when you started praying for me, I turned my volume off on my phone and I started praying in tongues. And he said, it's been easy ever since then. So here's what we're going to do today. At the end, we'll have our regular prayer teams. And I'll be over on that side. And if you want to get prayed for, for, for the baptism of the Spirit or for speaking in tongue, come on over there. Otherwise, I just want to encourage you to persevere like Andy did. It's different for everybody. It's not going to fit into this little, this is what it will look like. You're going to have to push through some stuff, but you just got to say, God, I want everything you have, and I want, I want to be in that river. That's, that's the main thing. We need to be filled, and I want you to have every tool at God's disposal for you, and so that's that. All right, here's my last point, and the worship team will come back. Develop a strong no muscle. First, I want to confess something. I am partially to blame for the Packer loss. So I had, I had a point about the Packers. I assumed we were going to win. And my point was, and so you never, ever want to presume on something. You never, I mean, that just kind of jinxes it. And so I had this point already made, and, and what the point was going to be, it was going to be have a strong defense, and the whole thing was going to be about 
the 49ers uh, beat us a couple years ago in the playoffs because even though we had Aaron Rodgers and we had this great offense, we had no defense and they just ran over us, ran over us, ran over us. So it doesn't matter how great your, your offense is if you don't have a defense. And that was going to be my point. Little did I know that we would decide not, we do have a really good defense this year, but we decided not to play offense. We decided we're going to just get one touchdown and then we're not going to use Aaron, we're not going to throw anymore. We're just going to run and we're going to do, and, and we're going to hope that we, we make it. And so, but I'm not going to talk about the Packers this morning because that's a wound, obviously. Um, and I, it's just too soon. It's too soon. So let's just, God will heal that. So I changed this point from have a good defense to develop a strong no muscle. Okay, so here we go. Titus chapter 2, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it turns out that a godly life is not just a life that says yes to God. Yes, God. I love you, God. Yes to worship. Yes to miracles. Yes to the Holy Spirit. Yes, yes, yes. To be godly, you also have to be able to say no. No to sin. No to immorality. No to, in in our text, Paul says... It's not just a positive command about being filled with the Spirit, but do not be drunk with wine, which leads to dissipation. Dissipation means it leads to recklessness. It leads to a lack of self-control. And, it, but, but very, and the reason why he uses wine is because just like you drink natural wine, and if you get drunk, it's going to lead you to a lack of self-control. So the new wine being filled with the Holy Spirit, also a substance you need to drink, you can't just learn about the Holy Spirit. You need to drink the Holy Spirit. You need to experience the Holy Spirit. It leads to all of these beautiful fruits of the Spirit. One of them being the grace of God teaches us to say no to all of the things that are going to hurt us and damage us and ruin, really, our, our testimony. And so... I call it the no muscle. Why? Because the more you use it, the stronger it gets. Just, just like lifting weights, just like doing physical therapy. You would think that after you lift weights, you've used all this strength to lift weights. You'd think that you would be depleted and you would be weaker because you used up your strength. But it works just the opposite, doesn't it? The more you exercise muscle, the stronger you get. And so there is a, a no muscle that called self-control, where we, we learn how to say no to the things that are hurting us, to the things that are compromising us. And so, Pastor Tom, I have a hard time saying no. All right, welcome to the human race. Now, here's what Galatians 5 22 and 23 says, the fruit of the Spirit, this is what the Holy Spirit produces, 
is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control is the last fruit of the Holy Spirit. I want to point out a couple things about self-control. Number one, how can it be a fruit of the Spirit if it's self-control? It is a partnership. Okay, you're having trouble saying no on your own. Okay, say no with the Spirit then. Partner up with the Holy Spirit. It will take your involvement. It, you can't blame it on the devil when you, you know, the devil just, the devil did it. You know, I was just showed up and nope, you have a role. You can actually make choices. But you need them to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So you and God together can say no. And the more you say no, the stronger the no muscle gets. You find out, oh, I said no to that. Now I could say no to that. I could say no to that. And the, the long, so when, whenever somebody says, I've been sober for six months, everybody claps. Why? We're celebrating self-control. Something was ruining their life and they started saying no and they've, they've been sober for six months. Now, we also clap if somebody says, I've been sober for three years. Why? Well, same, the same reason. And we say the same as somebody says, I've been sober for 10 years. But here's the thing about it. Everyone in the building knows that the one who's been sober for 10 years has got a much better chance of staying sober. <laughs> Why? They've been sober for, they have practiced. They are strong. They are not going, I mean, we can always go back, can't we? But that person that says, I've been sober for two weeks, the first thought you have is, mm, it's early. It's really early. You're very vulnerable. Why? Because you get stronger over time. Second thing I want to say about the fruit of self-control. Do you know why it's listed last? This is just my own thought. Why? We got all these beautiful fruits. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. All beautiful things that, that, that the Holy Spirit can bring very naturally, just like growing fruit in the human garden. And then the last one is self-control. Here's what I believe self-control is. I believe self-control is the fence around the garden of all the other fruits. If you have self-control, all the other fruits will grow very naturally in your Christian life. Without that fence, you're going to have the bunnies eating your love, your joy, your peace. You're going to have little rodents getting in there. And you, you were this for a while, now you're not anymore. And you were trying to be patient, and then you, you know, hit the car in front of you because you couldn't wait. Anyway, um, self-control is necessary to, to protect all of the work that God is doing in us. Here's a, here's a verse for you. Proverbs 25, 28. And I think we have it. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. So in the Old Testament, a city's walls were its defense. The army was its offense. The army would go out and conquer places and do things. But the walls was what made people sleep good at night. Because it didn't matter how good your army was. If your walls were broken they would be able to get in. The enemy would be able to get in. And so God wants to, by his spirit, build 
self-control in us. He wants this to be the You're never going to live filled. You can be filled. You can have a great experience. You can have a great service. You can have an amazing encounter. And I love it. Nobody loves it. What happened with that women's brunch yesterday was stunning to me. God was all over this place and a thousand different experiences and words and just God was everywhere. I love those types of meetings. But you're not going to live filled without, without building self-control in your life. So yesterday at the wedding, and I'm, the worship team can come because I'm ending with this. Um, so yesterday at the wedding, uh, we were at a table with, with three young couples, and, uh, and they're chat, they love chatting. And one of them asked me, how long, Alice, Alice was there right next to me, how long have you guys been married? Now, how many know men? That's, it's really important that you have that information. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's just like a, you know, don't be wrong about that. And so I'm like, so I'm like, Alice and I, we have, we have been married 37 years. And August 11th, we will have been married 38 years. I set you up for that. Why do people always clap when somebody's been married for a long time? Here's why. What they're clapping for is self-control. Anybody that's been married knows it's really hard to be married. (laughs) If you stay married for a long time, it means two people have exercised self-control. Now, don't feel bad if if, if you've been divorced because it takes two. (laughs) Two, One can get out of a marriage. It always takes two to stay married, but we, we, we celebrate. We celebrate this fruit of self-control that because with all the bad things that happen, all the negative things that happen, all the difficult things, all the impossible things, all the lies, all the whatever else happens, you stayed with it. And that's an amazing thing. And we celebrate that. So here's how I want to end. If we could have every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus wants you to own him. He doesn't want to be just the light. He wants to be your light. This is the best version of you. This is why he came. This is why he died on the cross. This is why he rose from the dead. The Bible says this. Jesus says this. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone Here's my voice. Doesn't matter how much you've sinned, how long you've sinned, how blasphemous you've been, how critical you've been. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. You were made for this. And so if you're here today, I've got every head bowed, every eye closed, because this, this is between you and Jesus. But if you are here and you know, you're not sure if you're forgiven, you're not sure that you'd go to heaven if you died, you're not sure that Jesus lives in you and that he's your Jesus. But you know he's knocking. You know he's got your attention. That's why you're here today. And he himself is knocking. And you want to open the door. What I do is I have people raise their hands because I have a little prayer that I pray that you just kind of agree with because somebody helped me open my door and everything changed when Jesus came in. So if that's you, Every head bowed, every eye closed. 
Jesus is knocking and you want to open your door. You want to own Jesus yourself today. Would you just raise your hand real high right now, long enough for me to see it. I got you. God bless you. I got you. God bless you. I got you over here. God bless you. Yep. You can put those down. Anybody else by upraised hand? I always like to make time for this step. Anybody else? Jesus is knocking and you know it. And you want to say yes, just raise your hand. Anybody else? I got you. God bless you. All right. If you raise your hand, could you just put your hand on your heart right now and pray something like this in your own words? Power of this is not the prayer. The power of this is the one who promised to come in if we open the door. So here it is. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for my sins on the cross. Thank you for rising from the dead and for being so alive that you have been knocking on my heart, getting my attention. Lord, today, whatever, wherever I've been in the past, I'm not sure, but today, I definitively want to open my door and say, Jesus, please come in and save me. Come in and wash me. Come in and cleanse me. Come in and fill me. I want to own you, Jesus, and I want you to own me. Be my primary identity, I ask in Jesus' name.